What is up? Welcome into a Marathon Minute, recording live from Oakland, California. This is your host, Max Ornstill. Man, I'm super excited to share this episode with you all. This was actually my first podcast recorded, so in true fashion, some of the intro got messed up. So I wanted to jump on before our conversation and give our guest a proper introduction. I was joined in studio by my pops and co-host, Michael Ornstill, and our awesome guest was Amobia Kugo. Amobi is a professional athlete, entrepreneur, philanthropist, podcast host. The list goes on. He's really doing so many dope things right now. I'm super appreciative he took the time and had this conversation with us. I actually knew of Amobi growing up as kind of a NorCal soccer legend, playing for youth national teams before going to UCLA, winning Pac-10 Freshman of the Year. Left after his freshman year and got drafted sixth overall, Generation Adidas to the Philadelphia Union. He spent time in Orlando, Kansas City, Portland, where I eventually met him and got to know him a bit, and most recently playing for Austin, where we've had some tough games against each other. Amovia, some awesome stories, truly some great perspective. He drops a ton of knowledge, whether it be finance, mentality, goal setting, so much more. I hope you enjoy this episode with Amovia. Let's get to the beat by Raf and enjoy Marathon Minute. start born in Hayward raised in Sac what was it like growing up in Sac and at what age did you really start getting into sports so born in Hayward uh we moved to Sac when I was three uh Sacramento is quiet you know everyone thinks of California LA San Diego the Bay so Sacramento is kind of the forgotten city even Mm -hmm. though it's the capital yeah um it's a quiet city you know it's very diverse it's actually surprisingly diverse and it's a more like family family atmosphere so People come to Sacramento to raise a family. That's what, like, that's what we get our rep as. Yeah. Um, so for me, growing up here, uh, being able to, you know, be the oldest of four siblings, we went to Catholic school. It was, it was, you know, calm upbringing. I think for me, I always find a way to come home. I just, you know, that's just yeah. what I'm about. Um, and then to answer your your, your second question, soccer uh, or sports in general, soccer was the first sport it was kind of by force you know being a nigerian first generation of right. american my parents that's that's our main sport so before i could even walk my dad was taking me to the park and you know we was running around with the ball was there any possibility of playing you know a prototypical football or basketball american <laughs> sport or was it just soccer from the jump so it was soccer and then incorporated basketball uh okay. football nah my parents was not about it i did play flag football two years uh-huh. had a enormous amount of fun but whenever the topic of tackle came up my parents were like nah we're not no go. happening yeah I, I gotta ask you how how was your hoop game because <laughs> i've been around a lot of soccer players and i'm a i'm a hoop guy uh-huh. what i've observed is the soccer players are great defenders because they've got great <laughs> lateral movement we got lateral movement unlocked and they've got good anticipation getting in the lane the ball lanes the passing lanes good defenders uh, they hustle and they can't shoot worth a dime. <laughs> hey. no, that is hilarious. So growing up, you know, I played soccer and basketball, like really at a high, high, high level. Um, but that was low, low key. I'm not even going to lie. That was kind of my MO, like on the ball, great <laughs> defender, 
Like I was playing, I played point guard, so I facilitate the game, control the pace of the game. Yeah, I couldn't shoot um, like as well as my teammates, but I would still find a way to score. Um, and then there you I'm, go, I'm you got to find a way. Exactly. Luckily, luckily for me, uh, soccer kind of took over, and I didn't have to make the uh, the wrong decision of choosing basketball over soccer. Yeah. And I think you ended up making a good decision. Um, <laughs> I got a video coming out for you tomorrow, though. And you guys are going to laugh. I'm hyped I'm to see that. Michael, for sure. Let's go. About, about <laughs> our <hoop> dreams. <laughs> hey, guys. Do you ever get hungry in that gap between lunch and dinner and just want a nice, healthy snack? Well, I do. And when I do, I have a nice bowl of Cafe Fanny granola, maybe with some fruit, some peanut butter, throw some chia seeds in there, and it really does the job. So this podcast is officially sponsored. Actually, no, it's not sponsored yet. Cafe Fanny, let's work out this deal. And this is just a sample. Back to the show. What's something you feel is a misconception about being a pro athlete? I feel like a lot of people think that it's this very glamorous lifestyle when, you know, for me, yes, there's a lot of very cool moments and some highs, but you know, there's been a lot of lows, a lot of dark moments, you know, when you're going through a streak of losing games or not playing bad form. My experience, at least, I've had some tough moments, you know, as well as some great ones. But, you know, what's a misconception you feel about being a pro athlete? No, I think you hit the nail on the head, you know. So, you know, it's not as stable as one might think. You know, if it's a professional athlete, you're making all this money, you know, you live in the high life, but no one sees the the injuries or the sacrifices, missing birthdays, missing graduations, missing yeah. family events. Uh, no one sees that. The off season where it's like not really off season because you always got to stay ready. Right. Um, during the season, like, you know, the ups and downs. So I think, you know, I've been able to, as fortunate as it has been to be able to play for five different teams, I've had to move five different yeah. times. Uh, yeah. That's not normal. Um, right. Well, so it's like, that stability that a lot of people look for or expect out of athletes is not always the case, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I've, I mean, I consider myself extremely lucky to have been in one place for four and a half years. I remember when I first moved into my house in Portland, my sister would come over and be like, dude, you got to put something on the walls. Like, <laughs> like this is not a home. Like, this yeah. is not okay. And I'm like, I'm going to be gone in a year. Like I, I didn't want to get comfortable because especially in the USL, it's like being in one place for more than a year is, is pretty rare. So I was like, I'm not going to get comfortable when I know I'm going to have to move. So I feel you on that. I consider myself really lucky to be in the same place um, for so long, kind of going off that what's, you know, having this, you know, I consider you having a very successful career up until this point, what's been a highlight or, you know, have you had a pinch yourself moment, you know, so far in this career? Damn, that's great. There's been so many cool moments, but I'd say I always go back to the first debut, you know, cause that was yeah. like the culmination of all the sacrifices my parents made and like, shout out to all the parents, like the countless drives, you know, Except. The, I, I like, I drove my brother to SDSU um, to take him back to school uh, mm -hmm. like two weeks ago. And I texted my parents. I was like, man, you guys were doing this drive <laughs> Thanksgiving every every year yeah. to Nomads and then Surf Cup. And then I added up the hours it took from Elk Grove to El Dorado two, three times a week for our practices. So like all those sacrifices and then all the sacrifices that I had to make. Uh, I mean, high school, I only went to like one school dance. Um, but then being able to play against Seattle at Seattle in my debut with my parents there, 
um, that was like, all right, it was all, I mean, it was going to be worth it anyways, but right. it was like, that was the reward for yeah. like, the sacrifices that I made. How about you, Max? <laughs> what's your, what's, what's your uh, moment? That moment where you said, wow, this is pinch me. Am I, is this really happening? Yeah. Well, I think there's the pinch yourself moment for me, that would probably be first playing against uh Drogba just cause that was someone who I watched, watched as a kid growing up. And um, I mean, my first year, I was still in the kind of with the mindset of I'm not supposed to be here. Like this is, I'm playing with house money. Um, I wasn't drafted, wasn't, you know, crazy highly recruited as a youth player. So to play against a childhood idol, that was kind of just like, yo, what? Like, this is crazy. <laughs> um, and then a highlight would probably be my first goal. I had like, I probably had 15 or 20 family members in the, in the stands that day, which was just luck. Was it in Portland? Um, it was in Portland, yeah. Oh, okay. To go up 2-0, we ended up losing the game 3-2. <laughs> just classic, uh, classic of that first year. But um, just having so many family there, that was just a pretty unbelievable moment. I remember that Drugba game was in Phoenix, and I knew who Drugba was, amazingly enough. And uh, I was trying to tell you, get close to him, mark him, so I could get a photograph of you and Drugba (laughs) in the same frame. Yeah, he was yelling from the stands, get closer. (laughs) Not like defensive advice, get in for the Yeah, he's trying to take a photo. He's trying to take a photo. That's hilarious. So kind of pivoting a little bit, so you are you are a businessman and a business man. I'm trying. I'm trying to be like you, man. Hey, I'm trying to be like you. Come on. Um, <laughs> where did this interest in business come from? Like this entrepreneurial hustle. Like, did you grow up with this mindset? Did something click at a certain age? Like, where did this come from? I guess I, I I'll probably say my upbringing. I, I mean, I've always been interested in business and finance and entrepreneurship and stuff like that. Like, I feel like everyone has like a story of them, like selling cars or candy. Yeah. And like my story was selling uh, my mom because I always had to pack big lunches. So I always told my mom to like put extra like chicken wings. So I used to sell extra chicken wings at school no. until I got caught. But um, <laughs> so that was my like entrepreneurship story. But you know, as I, you know, got older, you know, I was able to connect with some people and, you know, just learn about, you know, interesting things in that space. And um, that's kind of how it all came together from that, from that standpoint. But Moby, I, I checked out your resume, your bio. Google's a wonderful thing. And uh, <laughs> there's something that is driving you, motivating you that is pretty I don't want to falsely stroke you, but pretty extraordinary. I mean, you're involved in a lot of stuff on the field, off the field. You're spread very wide and very deep. And something's going on that's motivating you, whether it's your upbringing, uh, your values, something that happened to you, some event. Because it's extraordinary. What what, what What motivates you? Where's the drive come from? No, I appreciate that. I would say... Just being able to see like the sacrifices my parents, you know, made, you know, being me being the oldest of four siblings and, you know, being first generation Nigerian American, uh, understanding, you know, the sacrifices that they made to give us a better opportunity to succeed. So that that's a big thing to be able to, you know, take care of my family, build a family legacy. I'm really big on that, um, yeah. being able to create impact. And the only way to do that is to, you know, be a value add and to help people. Um, and then obviously, 
you know, the more people you help, the more value that you bring, the more impact that you provide, then those opportunities that everyone loves, uh, you know, uh, being able to have financial freedom, being able to, you know, do things that, you know, aren't as, I can, how can I say, aren't as open to, you know, a lot of different people. So growing up, our family vacations were soccer tournaments. So we had to make sure, like, yeah. if we want to be in San Diego for a, a long time, we were winning. We had to win or make it to the semis. <laughs> so, like, and then, you know, some of my teammates, they would be like, all right, we're going to surf cup, but we're going a week early. Like, we, we didn't have the luxury to do that. So right. um, that, I'm not saying that's like a driving factor, but being able to have financial freedom. So if we did want to have the opportunity, um, that would be cool. And then, you know, just provide impact. You know, I think the people that have most um, joy and happiness and stress-free are the ones that are giving and giving um, because they ultimately will receive in the end. So, um, yeah. That's what that's what I'm. Do you feel like you've you've have a mentor? Has is it your parents? Not so much a role model. Sounds like your parents were were role models to a large extent, but a mentor, someone in your life who has kind of pushed and guided you. Um, to be honest, I feel like I I have a bunch of different mentors. You know, you know, uh, Jonathan Harris. He's the CEO of Athlife. He was one that was really took me under his wing when I first went pro because mm-hmm. I was adamant about graduating. So um, with his company, they help athletes, you know, find the right career path for them. Um, so I was I was like, I need to, I went to UCLA. I need to make sure I finished from UCLA. But he was like, uh, well, UCLA is going to want you to be on campus. And the way your season's working out, it doesn't look yeah. like that's going to happen. So mm-hmm. here are some other alternatives where you're going to get a degree. It may not be a UCLA degree, um, but you're going to be um, all the more better for it. You know, Darren Rankin is someone, he's actually based in Portland. Um, okay. He's he's been helpful. Uh, one of my like I consider him like a big bro, Joel. Um, when I was in school, elementary school, we had an after school program, and he was like one of the um, I don't want to say teachers, but the people that watch us mm-hmm. and like we just like talk about life and like play. And then as we've both gotten older, he's like my golfing buddy, and we golf and just talk. Um, Yo, we got to hit the links. We got yeah, definitely got to hit the links. I mean, I'm only an hour away, man. Let me know when I got to drive up. Yeah, let's do it. (laughs) Hey, that's what that's where all the business goes down. Who knows? We might, you know, we might strike a deal on the course. (laughs) I might be able to get a modeling gig or something. I got to shave first and get a haircut. But hey, today I I saw you today. You posted something. You were were hitting it. You were hitting some posts. It was the the lighting. It was the lighting. It was nice. And so. You started um, kind of going off on this business side. Um, you started a frugal athlete at what point in your career? Where were you? So I was in 2016. So I just like came to Portland. Just got yeah, to so Portland. So that's when I started. Yeah, just got to Portland. And what made you want to start it at the time? So I saw the 30 for 30 broke documentary. Um, mm-hmm. And that was kind of like a motivating aspect. And then uh, funny enough, I was starting to go towards the end of my schooling. So I was like, had more time on my hands. So it kind of worked out and I always wanted to like do something on my own. I had like a notebook in my notes section of my phone of a bunch of different ideas. And I was yeah. like, a frugal athlete came to mind. I was like, all right, when are you going to finally like actually do it? And then I just did it. And then it started out as a passion project, had no idea when it comes to the business, like what to do. Um, so the first six months, I don't even count as like a frugal athlete. It was just a blog and, you yeah. know, just, make articles and then you know finally sat down created some structure 
uh, had like a plan of how we were going to go about it. And four years later, you know, we're, you know, we've, we've grown, you know, but still, still a lot, still a lot more to do. Four years later and you, and you make it on the Forbes 30 under 30. Congratulations again, by the way, you know, nah, we, thank you so much. What, what an achievement that, um, I mean, personally for me, that's something that I, um, you know, when I set long-term goals, that's something where I'm like, that would be a long-term goal for me, something that I hope to one day achieve. Was that something, was that a goal that you had initially, you know, maybe sometime in your twenties or mid twenties where you're like, all right, that's kind of a benchmark or did that just kind of happen organically and, you know, just take it as it came? No, that's something I definitely uh, manifested. I always wanted to be like on Forbes. Um, but this, uh, sorry, not this year, last year, 2020 in January, I literally wrote it down as like one of my uh, big, what's it called? Big, hairy, audacious goals. That's like, nice. like one of the things that you're supposed to do. Um, so I wrote it down and it was, I put it down, but I didn't like actively, like it just, it was crazy how it happened. Um, so I kind of wrote it down, kind of forgot about it. And then luckily when, you know, when you write things down, things start to happen for you. Yeah. That leads you to those goals. And ultimately that's kind of what happened. And I ended up, you know, fortunately getting on the list. Yeah. I was going to say, I mean, so much of what, what I see from you on social media and, you know, just speaking with you is you have lofty goals and you like to be very organized with how you kind of present them. How important, you know, to people listening, how important is it to set goals and, you know, to be diligent about, you know, manifesting these type of things, because, you know, as we can see with you, they really have come to fruition. Um, so how important is that in someone who's, you know, setting lofty goals for himself, whether it be in their head to actually, you know, put that on paper, go around, tell your friends and make it like, yo, this is something that I want to achieve. No, I think that's a great point. I think like, and it, it goes back to what you said earlier, uh, you know, mental confidence. So when you, when you speak positively about yourself, when you have a certain mindset, those things start to happen for you. It may not, you know, be exactly what you want, but ultimately more often than not, it leads you to where you need to be or what, you know, what you're supposed to get. Um, so for me, when I write it down, it's almost like a, it's giving me clarity. It's giving me a roadmap. So no one gets in the car and just drives aimlessly, you know, right. and I think that's how we need to go about our lives. So, you know, whether you write it down or envision it, um, it that's like our roadmap or like our North star. And uh, yeah, I'm really big on that, you know, speak what you want into existence, mm -hmm. always have a positive mindset, you know, I, you know, so I'm always knocking on wood if I'm like, you know, if I have a not negative thought or I say something like that, oh, it's like knock on wood, change that mindset up. Yeah. Um, because that does have an effect on, you know, not only like how you play, but how you live. So, um, yeah, that's that's what I'm about. No, yeah, for sure. I, I think thoughts definitely turn into actions. And I think when you write down those thoughts, it definitely gives you that much more onus, you know, make them come true. Um I think I probably know the answer to this question, but once you got that recognition, was that kind of a, you know, a mama, I made it moment? Like, did you celebrate for, you know, an hour a week or was it just like, you know, that's, that's dope. I achieved this. Let's keep pushing. What's next. Nah, respect. Yeah. So everyone was joking around. It's like, you know, you got to celebrate your wins. I was like, I made the announcement like uh, that I, um, that I received the award um, and then I, you know, thanked everyone that reached out to me, but then from there it was like, all right, how do I make an action plan to like use this moment to, you know, build off it. It wasn't like, you know, we're going to celebrate because at the end of the day, you know, as, as, as nice as it is, you know, Forbes didn't pay me anything for that. 
They didn't give me a free subscription. Yeah, I, I saw that. Free. You're like, yeah. yo, I'm still looking for the <laughs> subscription, man. I, I had to go to Barnes and Nobles and get the, the award. So as as much as it is, is great to get that recognition and as much as it helped, you know, open up some doors, um, it's still not the end all be all. And, um, you know, I did, I, you know, I did like sit back and enjoy for a, like second or two, but, you know, yeah. like you said, back to work. Yeah. What's, um, uh, what's the most common mistake athletes, young athletes make? in terms of their finances, managing their finances? Yeah, just, I, there's, I don't want to so many. many, but the, I think the first two is just understanding simply like what's coming in and what's going out. Um, and it's tough though, because as athletes, we have, you know, our contract, then we have bonuses, then we have per diem, uh, then we have appearances. So we think it's like, all right, yeah, I can spend money here. I'm going to, I have an appearance next week. I'm going to make it back, uh, whatever. Um, so understanding like, all right, what's coming in and then their expenses. Um, like because we're on the road so many times and we don't like keep track of it. So having a simple budget or organized budget that can save a lot of issues. And then the other one, and it, it translates because as athletes, we're just naturally competitive, um, staying right. in our lane. So, yeah. you know, if I'm in the locker room with Kaka and I see him coming in, you know, and, you know, wearing certain things or spending his certain way, I'm like, well, we play on the same field. Like yeah. I can, I could do that too, but that's not yeah. the case. <laughs> he yeah. played for Real Madrid. He played for yeah. AC Milan. His contracts are a little bit different. So understanding yeah. where you're at and embracing the fact that you're a professional athlete, but you may not have that luxury of, you know, being able to afford some of the things that your teammates um, are right. allowed to have. And that's not a bad thing, but understanding, um, staying in your lane. You know, everyone has their own lane and yeah. going from there. Yeah. Did any of the organizations you played for give you financial counseling? So the leagues as a whole, they do um, like a rookie symposium and they have like, you know, consultants and people that speak. And then um, the sponsors, the league sponsor, league always has a financial sponsor where they'll come in and talk. I mean, it's not as hands-on. Uh, MLS is doing a great job now as um, they've built out a player development team and then the players union works with trying to provide some answers and then the USL they're still working on some ways to be more proactive I know they did like a tech call um, a couple was it a month months ago or a couple weeks ago um, but they're trying to provide more resources to have answers for players and that's what it's all about more education uh, more opportunity to ask questions and um, hopefully we'll all be better for it yeah or they um, could just check out frugal athlete. Yeah, I know. I was gonna say. I feel like there's there's a, you know, there's the possibility for a deal here. I feel like a frugal athlete could be a partner with these leagues that would be, you know, beneficial to everyone. Maybe in due time. Um, yeah, most definitely. We kind of brought it up in the intro, but you know, you're a man of many trades. You're obviously a professional athlete, an entrepreneur, um, a philanthropist. You have your own foundation. You have multiple podcasts how do you manage all these things going on at once? I swear every time I go on Twitter or, uh, <laughs> or I go on Instagram or anything, you're like doing a live or you're doing something or you're posting uh, something or promoting something. How do you manage all this, you know, all these activities, but also have you ever had, you know, obviously as an athlete, that's our primary source of income right now. Have you ever had coaches or teammates or someone in the front office question your commitment to, you know, the sport that you're playing? Because I know, um, I mean, this past year in Portland, that's when I really started getting involved with some other things off the field with uh, the creative studio and some modeling stuff on the side. And I was a little hesitant to, you know, be putting it out there because I felt like 
I would be judged as not being fully committed, you know, in a way. And now I've, I've become comfortable with it where it's like, I'm a pro. I know how to, you know, manage the 24 hours in a day and do what I need to do to perform at a high level. But how do you kind of manage all these things going on? No, that's a great, uh, that's a great point and a great question. I would say early on in my career, I was fortunate uh, because the coaches knew um, at Philly. So they knew I was big into school. Mm-hmm. Like it was like known, like Amobi might not even go pro. His parents was like, he needs to like at least stay a little bit longer at school Mm -hmm. so when I was doing school and it was actually good because I'll just go to practice work hard and then after I'll just be you know doing my schoolwork. um so they're like keeps him off you know keeps him out it keeps him inside it's not going out and trying to party or anything like that so and then as I got older I started you know putting myself more out there and um as long as you know you keep the main thing the main thing from a soccer standpoint and produce that for, for the most part, in my situation, they haven't really cared. I know there was one situation when I was, you know, on trial in New York, the coach had like made this assumption that he thought I was like uh, always out or something like a, like a party guy. And I was like, nah, I just no. go to practice and do my work. Yeah. And then yeah. over the course of the week, he was like, oh, wow, I got the wrong impression. You know, yeah, he seemed like, so I was like, cool to like see that. Because, yeah. you know, what people see or what they hear is not always what is actually true. Yeah, no, for sure. And then kind of going off that, this, you know, I saw one of your tweets about this being a long off season and, you know, kind of preparing accordingly. What, you know, what are you doing going into this off season that's very uncertain? You know, who knows when the season will start? Um, kind of the financial status of what's going on throughout the league is a bit uh, turbulent. How are you, you know, what's your schedule? What are your days like? I see you in the ozone putting in work. I might need <laughs> yes, to come sir. by. Come I through, see, man. I, I see, uh, I see you chefing some things up. How are you? I see you doing hills, hill runs. Like I need to come out there, man. Um, but like, how are you managing all this downtime and kind of a lot of stuff up in the air when it comes to, you know, the soccer side of things, but also, you know, you have all these other endeavors going. Yeah. So uh, first and foremost, you know, trying to stay as fit, you know, obviously because, we're not normally like next week, we'd probably be, you know, heading up to preseason. So um, we want to space it out in terms of like what we're doing from a workout standpoint, um, but staying fit, staying ready on that standpoint, and then using the free time to kind of connect and explore different passions. So I've been able to, you know, fix up my LinkedIn, um, connect with different people or try to connect with someone um, new or something I'm interested in at least once a week. Nice. Um definitely picking up some side hustles. So I know a lot of guys do training, obviously everything has to be social distance and COVID protocol. Um, So I've been trying to, you know, develop new side hustles, um, trying to figure out where they work in line with the fruit athlete. And then obviously a fruit athlete spending a lot more time doing that scaling, trying to get in front of as many people as possible. So um, it's been good. Google, Google calendars, definitely helped yeah. trello has definitely helped uh calendy uh i don't even know how to pronounce it calendly has definitely helped i know that's yeah. how we got connected or yeah. we're able to schedule this so yeah just time blocking staying organized and then going from there what, what are your um soccer aspirations from ob so my soccer aspirations i would love to get back into mls if one of these coaches would give me an opportunity but um if that doesn't happen um definitely would love to you know you know, if I'm still with Austin next year, um, last year we didn't make the playoffs. The year before we made the playoffs, we lost to Phoenix in PKs. I'm still bitter about that. Uh, so if we can make a deep run, um, hopefully, you know, get some hardware um, to the Austin franchise, uh, that would be that would be amazing. Yeah. 
kind of going back to a frugal athlete a little bit, um, what are kind of like, what are your goals long-term with that? Like, where would you like to see that go? So a frugal athlete, I want it to be like a ecosystem of, if you, if you can combine Penny Hoarder, Players Tribune and Business Insider all into one. I want that's uh, that's what I want a frugal athlete to be. So a lot of times you see like one-off articles of this athlete did this for, with his money or this athlete did that. I want people to come to a frugal athlete and say they want to learn about real estate. Um, and then they type in real estate in the search bar and you got a whole plethora of content and courses and information about uh, real estate, but through, through the athlete's perspective. So you're able to learn about key financial uh, terminology, uh, personal finance lessons, money management lessons, but from the sports business um, athlete perspective. So for example, you know, everyone says there's a diversify your income, you need to diversify your income, but why not tell the story of, all right, you know, as a GM, you're not going to get 10 LeBrons on your team. You're going right. to get a couple draft picks. You're going to get a couple veterans. You're going to try to get one to two LeBrons. And that's how you diversify your team. Apply that to your finances. Um, that's kind of like how we want a frugal athlete to be for sure. Nice. That's, I mean, I, I feel like there's definitely a market for it. And I feel like I could definitely see that happening for sure. You sound like our financial planner with my retirement account. <laughs> Although she rarely talks about LeBron. Yeah. <laughs> are she a Golden State fan? Yeah. Of course. I, no, well, <laughs> yes, we are. But this guy, he can't even watch a game. He gets too nervous. Oh. That, that was when, I mean, I understand when we're at, you know, the height in every game, you know, people are running and gunning for us. But now it's like, you know, we've had the success of what? Yeah. How many championships, three. three championships in five years? Like, and now he's, we're, we're working on getting him to be able to watch games again, but it's a process, uh, you know, it's definitely. That's um, tough. It's right tough. when you guys go to Chase Center, that's when you guys start struggling. You hate to see it. Yeah. I feel some type of way about Chase Center. Did your it's, parents get nervous watching you play on Moby? Oh, my mom still doesn't. She'll like peek downstairs. It, 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 what's the score? And then go back upstairs. <laughs> how did Moby do and go upstairs it's like if you want to watch the game watch it but you know I should my, my dad will watch and he'll give the analysis my mom she'll like pick and choose yeah. you get nervous oh totally yeah. absolutely and particularly because you're a center back so you're exactly. oh my god you know you take them out of the back of the goal yeah uh, if you're a midfielder yeah. or forward striker you know your mistakes okay yeah. but center backs goalkeepers it's nerve-wracking as a parent yeah. oh yeah for sure my mom's like, oh, they scored? Was it a Moby's fault? Yeah, okay, good. Exactly. Never mind. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For real. Going back to kind of the a little bit of your business hacks, like, or I see a lot of your business hacks and, you know, productivity tips, all these things. I read your newsletter, which, by the Respect, way, man. listeners, it. if you have not subscribed to a Moby's newsletter, is it a frugal athlete newsletter or is it your personal one? So I got two. So, yeah. I need to subscribe to, to them, the please. second one then. All right. <laughs> yeah. um, but like, you know, for example, the other day, it was like five productivity tips, something like that. Where where do you get this information? Is this something that you are getting from an outside source? Or is it like this is, you know, something that you just came up with on your own and wanted to share it with the world? Or, you know, where are you getting a lot of this information from? No, so, yeah. So, it's either people that have put me on game and then I'm just, you know, trying to share, share the wealth. Or, you know, I've like read in the book and I've kind of like put my own spin on it. So that's normally how it is. Or even just like, you know, just through my own experiences, like 
all right, you know, I'm kind of getting overwhelmed. What, what am I going to do to, you know, increase my productivity? Um, and then applying, you know, things that I've tried and worked on um, to kind of, you know, maximize my efficiency. So um, it's a combination of things, you know, if you have an idea, I'm sure it's been sh- done before. It's all right. about, you know, who's sharing it with you and going from there. But um, that's kind of how I've, you know, I've got my information or, uh, and then trying to apply it and put my own spin on it. Yeah. When I say the name Junior Bridgman means something to me, what does that name mean to you? Oh, it's one of the most underrated uh, basketball businessmen um, that a lot of athletes definitely need to know about. And not only because he's been able to carve out, you know, uh, almost a half a billion dollar net worth with his business stuff, but the fact that, you know, during his playing career, he spent his off seasons, you know, willing to learn. He did a couple of internships, externships with uh, Wendy's franchises uh, to like learn the ropes. Right. And then from there, immediately after he was done playing and he was playing basketball, like in the eighties. So it wasn't like, I think the most he ever made or his career earnings were like less than $500,000 total. Uh, but he was able to learn the ropes, you know, wasn't, it was humble enough to like do the gentleman work from the cashier to the, you know, flipping the the burgers. And from there, he's able to, you know, carve out, you know, a nice little conglomerate uh, of different business ventures uh, because of, you know, his willingness to learn and then obviously leverage his opportunity as an athlete and the capital he made. Yeah. Um, you know, you- and a pretty good, small shooting guard he was a good player yeah yeah 70s and 80s how does this shot compare to mine <laughs> they similar. don't compare similar similar similar, <laughs> similar. let's put it they don't compare uh, um so we kind of talked about it earlier but you know you had the entrepreneurial hustle from a young age selling chicken wings um that you were getting in your lunch um do you always see yourself as kind of being your own boss or like would you ever fit into a corporate environment or a prototypical nine to five, or is it kind of, once you've had this taste of, you know, having your own schedule and running your own business, is that something that you see doing, uh, you know, for the rest of your career, or would you ever get into, you know, something a little different? Oh, that's a great question. I definitely consider myself an entrepreneur. So I like the, you know, the corporate setting, you know, um, being able to learn from upper management. Um, I definitely would love to have the freedom. So I I don't see myself coming in every day, nine to five. I I would love like a job that come in and then I got, I got to travel. I got to be out. Um, I got to like, you know, get in front of people to meet and do business. Um, but I'm not against the nine to five. I know like hustler culture right now is like, quit your job, be your own boss. Um, but that not everyone can do that. And entrepreneurship is very hard. So I, yeah. I consider myself an entrepreneur. Uh, I'm not against, you know, working because I feel like in order to be a good leader, you have to be a follower first. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, ultimately, like long, long term, definitely. I want to be my own boss, but um, I know that's long term. So, you know, I like having frugal athlete and then being able to, you know, whether it's soccer or, you know, have a corporate job or somewhere where I'm within a team setting, corporate setting. Yeah, that's no problem with me. Yeah getting kind of towards the end here, but, you know, pivoting a little bit, given, you know, this year and everything that's happened and still, you know, what we're seeing today with a couple of weeks ago and the country being more divided than ever, um, social justice and the political climate, you know, kind of at the forefront of society. Um, 
it feels like there's kind of a growing responsibility on athletes to use our platforms. You know, how do you feel about the shift of now athletes being somewhat responsible for playing a role in politics and, you know, social justice and, you know, what do you feel like your role is as being an athlete that, you know, has so many platforms and so many things going on? Yeah. I mean, as an athlete, you know, you almost have a duty, you know, as I know Charles Barkley said, we're not role models, but you know, the minute you become a professional athlete, whether you like it or not, you're a role model and not right. only for yourself, but for your family, your community, um, the team that you're playing for. And, you know, you have to represent yourself to the best of your abilities. Um, because people look up to your natural trendsetter. Um, people are looking to you for answers. And, you know, it's a tough and thankless job, but, right. you know, that's that's what comes with the territory. So um, whether it's social justice, which definitely everyone needs to speak out on, um, um, or politics or religion or whatever um, you may be passionate about, you just have to make sure you're knowledgeable about the subject and that, you know, whatever you do say, um, or you know, the actions that you do, you know that there is going to be a reaction or an action um, mm -hmm. based on, you know, what is what is done. Yeah, no, I think that's a really good way to put it. And I know, I remember when I first, you know, started a professional career, I, I felt like I didn't want to get into that. And then, mm -hmm. you know, as the events unfolded of this year, I felt it more than ever, like, it really is it's a responsibility as a you know just a human with people right. who listen to you but then once you have a platform where you know whether you impact one person or a hundred or a thousand like it's an impact and it's yeah. a responsibility and it's a great responsibility so you know that's definitely been a shift for me this year and you know something that i'm actively working on using that platform to do the you know do the most good and have the best impact possible um so i think you put that really well um so we're going to end with a segment. This is my first time doing it, so bear with oh, okay. me. But it is called, What Are You Eating, Reading, Preaching, and Plugging? What so, are you eating, reading, oh, Okay, I like that. So eating, you know, something you're cooking or some food you've had lately that you want to share with the world. Reading okay. an article or a book. I know you've been doing your... Uh, your yep. daily chapter updates of the 48 laws <laughs> preaching what's like a motto or a lesson or you know words to live by that you want to leave people with and then what do you plug in i know you have plenty to plug but you know something, <laughs> that, something that you're involved with that you want the world to know about so we can start okay. off with what are you eating i know i've seen you cooking up some stuff in the in the ozone kitchen but yeah. what, what, what are you eating so what am I eating? Small chops. We go in uh, jello rice. It's a Nigerian staple. Uh, okay. So it's a tomato-based stew mixed in with rice, uh, chicken, and broccoli. So I just cooked that up this weekend. Okay. Uh, so yeah, that's what I'm eating currently. Small chops. Is that what you put up the other day? It was in the big uh... yeah, the big pot. Yep. So you look... make it. You make a big pot. So you got lots of leftovers. All right. And then what are you reading? What am I reading? So obviously, you know, you touched on 48 Laws of Power, but the other book, um, because the 48 Laws of Power is kind of like a daily thing, uh, mm -hmm. Expert Secrets, Russell Brunson, uh, just trying to learn a little bit more about marketing and then creating communities. Nice. Okay. What are you preaching? What, are some what words am I to live preaching? By? Uh, word of the year for me is aggressive. So oh, yeah. just, you know, being aggressive and, you know, the things that you want out of your life. Um, not waiting for, you know, someone to kind of open the door for you. Um, so that's, that's what I'm preaching. Yeah, no, I, when you, when you put that up, I saw, um, I really like that. I think that's a good way to, one of my words for last year was momentum. 
Ooh, and I, then I think uh, that was for going into 2020. Okay. And then I, do, I like um, aggressive. I think that's great. Now, last but certainly not least, what are you plugging? What am I plugging? Uh, people on Mars. Love hey. your platform. Got to hey. plug that. Um, I'm also plugging a frugal athlete. Make sure you guys check that out. Um, but yeah, just follow my channel. Like Max said, and uh, I'm like trying to do everything. So uh, <laughs> really if you go to my page, you'll, you'll see, you'll see a, a lot of like cool things that I, I think that you guys can gravitate towards. So um, but yeah, people on Mars and um, a frugal athlete. Those are my two plugs. Oh, hey, well, Amobi, I really appreciate you coming on. Definitely someone I look up to and someone who inspires me on a daily basis. Listeners, listen to what this man said and what he plugged. Definitely tune in. And um, I really appreciate you coming on for real. Um, uh, thanks for having me. And let's get on the links soon, bro. And let's, we got to get together, play some small side, get on the links and just chop it up. Talk Most business. Deaf. Most deaf. I'm down. <laughs> Yeah, let me know. I got the clubhouse invites. We can make that happen. Oh, okay. I meant to bring that up on the pod. Like, <laughs> I really don't understand what this concept is. Like, what is it? Okay, so it's like an audio-based platform that it's like basically like imagine listening to a podcast. Like, we're having a podcast right now, but then we can let other people join and ask questions. So that's yes. kind of how it is. And there's like a bunch of different topics that go on throughout the day. Um, I'm just gonna send it to you anyway. Who cares? Yeah. Uh, Dope.